From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. And we are in the month of December, so I can say Merry Christmas. You know, these uh, Faith and Freedom editions, I I really like these because we just sit down for some one-on-one conversations with some of our leaders uh, to hear their personal stories, their faith journeys, their journey in Christ, and how that relationship with Jesus Christ has influenced their path into the political realm and guided them in their work as leaders in our government. I was just reading, you know, with this transition that is uh, in the near future here, most likely, um, how some on the left are really targeting faith because so many men and women of faith have been called to Washington, D.C. to serve. They're literally calling for people to separate their faith from their public service. And and that's one of the reasons we're doing this, because I want people to see how important that faith foundation is to our leaders. So uh, on this edition, we have uh, two guests, two members of Congress, and both from the same state, the Lone Star State, the state of Texas. One will be retiring and one is returning after being encouraged to get back into the fight. Joining me first in just a moment is uh, Congressman Mike Conaway. He represents the 11th District of Texas. And then later we'll be joined by Congressman-elect Pete Sessions, who will be representing the 17th District of Texas following a decisive victory last month. Well, my first guest has served eight terms in the U.S. House of Representatives. In the House, Congressman Conaway is the ranking member of the House Committee on Agriculture. He also serves on the House Armed Services Committee and the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. He is a deputy Republican whip, a position that he has held since the 112th Congress. Before going uh, entering into a career in politics, uh, Mike was business partners with uh, George W. Bush and worked as the chief financial officer for his oil and gas exploration firm. He developed a lasting friendship with President Bush, and they learned together what it takes to run a business. They also learned politics together. Mike has also served in the Army at Fort Hood. He worked as a CPA and is an ordained deacon at his church. Uh, Congressman, welcome to Washington Watch. Well, Tony, thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. It's uh, I'm flattered that you would... Uh... You'd want me to talk to your listeners. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for your service. And I should mention, as you you are retiring, you made the decision you were going to serve, uh, and then you were going to go home. And in fact, just recently, you made uh, kind of your farewell uh, address uh, the on the floor of the house, uh, and and that was kind of an emotional moment, wasn't it? Well, it has been. I uh, <clears throat> announced to the world in August of nineteen that I was not going to run again. And uh, I, uh, uh, Tony, I love this job. It's a great job. It's incredible uh, responsibility. Uh, but every member should set a, a go-home date for themselves. Uh, mine came a little quicker than I would have liked because I still love what I'm doing, but it's clearly time uh, for me to go home. And, and I've had a great uh, 16 years representing uh, the folks in District 11. Uh, it's a position of trust. And as you know, um, trust is earned. Uh, it's hard to keep, and you can lose it in a nanosecond. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to maintain that trust with my voters back home for 16 years. I'm really proud of that. It's been an absolute labor of love. I still love the job. I love what I'm doing every single day. But 
but it's time for me to come home and and uh, let somebody else to uh, take up the reins of the responsibility. But I've had a great run. See, I actually think that's the best way. I, I ran, I, I served for two terms back in Louisiana and term limited myself. And I still like the job and the people still liked me. And I think that's the best way to go. It's better than the opposite. You hate the job and the people hate you. That's Then you've overstayed <laughs> your tenure. Absolutely. Uh, Tom DeLay said there's three ways to leave Congress. Feet first, you get beat. Or you leave on your own terms, and he and I chose the better of the three. Well, I want to I want to start by uh, talking about your friendship with uh, President Bush. How did that come to be, and how has that been over the years? Well, I was a, a CPA with Price Waterhouse. Um, uh, President Bush, uh, then George Bush, had re- had lost the seventy eight uh, congressional run to a guy out of uh, Lubbock, and uh, and started an oil and gas company. Uh, Price Waterhouse was his auditor, and uh, I was the manager in charge of that work, uh, both the audit and the tax work for it. So that started the relationship in uh, you know seventy nine eighty, and then uh, he and I became partners in uh, eighty two, uh, and were uh, business partners for uh, uh, for five years. Uh, sold out in uh, uh, September of eighty six to a company in Dallas, but uh, it started as a professional relationship, obviously. A small company working side by side every day for uh, you know all those five years. I got to know him as a man and as an individual, and, uh, and he's just he's a he's one of those guys that as a leader uh, develops tremendous loyalty within the people who work for him. And uh, I, uh, we disagree from time to time with policy issues and those kind of things, but I am uh, I, I'm a George W. fan, and he's a good guy, and uh, and I've, I've, I'm proud to be able to call him a friend. So did that did that friendship uh, did that lead to uh, politics? Was that a part of politics for you entering this I, arena? I, yeah, I think so. His dad was VP at the time, and so there was something political going on all the time. And then when uh, George was became governor of Texas, he appointed me to the state board of accountancy. That's a volunteer slot uh, serving on a board that oversees the practice of accountancy in Texas, and uh, he appointed me to that board. Uh, I then got involved with the Texas legislature through. Uh, three terms, uh, and, uh, you know, sitting on the other side of the table for those guys, I got to thinking that's a job that I could do, and I thought I'd run for either the state uh, Senate slot or a U.S. House slot. And the U.S. House member was a fellow named Tom, I mean, uh, uh, Larry Combest, and Larry was chairman of the Ag Committee, getting 90% of the vote. I thought it would really be the state Senate seat that I would be able to run for. But uh, uh, after the 1902 election, uh Larry announced that he was retiring in May of 03, and I jumped into the into that special election. Um, my life verse is uh, is Luke 12:48. So, uh, too much is given, much is required, and God had blessed me with a little bit of talent and an awful lot of life experiences that I thought qualified me to do the job. Uh, I'm I was really confident I could do the job. I just had to prove that I had the skills to get the job, and those aren't the same set of skills. They're two different sets. You're absolutely and right. A CPA. With that second, with that set of skills to sell himself and be able to to get on, uh, you know, to to win is uh, something I had to prove. And and uh, I lost the first uh, that special election, but then uh, the, tech, the Texas House and, and, uh, and legislature redrew the lines in 2003, creating a new uh, District 11 seat that I was able to run for and and, uh, and won. Well, you mentioned your life verse, Luke 12:48. Let's step back a little bit, uh, Congressman, and. Let's talk about your your faith journey, how you came to know Christ, and and how that has influenced your 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 public walk. 
So I'm I'm one of those folks that grew up in a in a faith based family. God blessed me to put me in a a family that uh, uh, provided a mom and a dad. Uh, my mother, uh, you know, she was she was a church secretary for a long time, and uh, my two siblings and I and she were in the church every time the doors were open. Uh, and uh, one of my favorite stories: we West Texas, you'd have uh, blue northerns or just horrible ice storms come through. My dad was working morning tower, uh, and so it's Sunday morning. Um, the car is covered in about an inch of ice. The roads are iced over, and uh, but it's Sunday morning, and we're going to church. Doesn't matter. So mother puts us in the car. She gets some hot water, puts it on the windshield to to, to uh, clear the windshield, pulls around the corner, and it ices over again. So she pulls to the curb, and, and my little brother is sitting in the middle of the front seat, and uh, she opens the door, tells him to keep his foot on the accelerator to try to get the heater going quicker. She didn't get the car completely in the park. And he hits the, you know, he slams down on his foot. The car lurches backwards, wraps the front door around uh, from a hydrant, a fire hydrant sitting there, wraps it into the front fender. And um, so now we've got a wreck. A guy in a pickup truck pulls up and says to my mother, ma'am, can I help you? She looks at him and says, yes, can you take us to church? And he looked at the car. He looked at her and said, well, yes, ma'am. So he takes us to church. And uh, the pastor lived across the alley. His part, the parsonage was across the alley from the church. So he just walked over the alley. We're the only ones in church. My mother, about, about two siblings. My dad comes home, and the car's in the park. He's on the curb uh, with a door wrapped into the front fender. And, uh, and we're not there, of course. So that's the kind of dedication my mother uh, instilled in all of us. And, and if it's Sunday morning, by golly, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do church uh, you know, somewhere. So. But I came to know Christ as a nine-year-old. It was a standard Baptist revival uh, there at Crescent Park Baptist Church in uh, in Odessa, Texas, and and uh, I, you know, uh, gave my life to Christ that night as a nine-year-old. So I've basically been a you know Christian most of my life. Um, as with most Christians, my walk with Christ has ebbed and flowed. Uh, there's sometimes uh, that I'm not quite as as good as others, but uh, certainly the taking on this responsibility I've had for the last. Uh, uh, 16 years. It's, uh, it's strengthened my walk uh, in, uh, considerably because um, I talked to you before we got on the on the phone. I, I've got a platform, and God put on my heart, the Holy Spirit put on my heart about 10 or 12 years ago, uh, this idea that, that I should be better at sharing my faith and better at helping people understand the, the, the wrong direction our nation is heading from from a moral standpoint. Our moral fabric by which we govern this great nation is tattering uh, by the day. Our founding fathers, John Adams and others, John Adams particularly wrote that uh, only a moral and religious people can self-govern, that our form of governance is unsuitable for anybody else, and and uh, began to talk to folks about that. And so for the last 12 years or so, I've closed every almost every one of my public meetings with some conversation about uh, this idea that, that uh, this is a Judeo-Christian founded nation. Uh, it's been sustained by 240 years or so on those values, and that is the further we get away from those values, the more likely God will uh, punish this nation for that, much of the way he punished the nation of Israel when it would start during the Old Testament, when the nation's heart would get far from God. He would use some pretty awful things to, to turn their hearts back to uh, back to God. So with that pulpit, I felt some responsibility to use it, and uh, consequently I've had a, 
uh, I think, a much stronger uh, walk, uh, certainly these last 16 years. But I've been blessed to be a Christian all of my life, and, and uh, it's had a you know, profound impact on how I, how I treat others and how I lead my life. Well, and that is why we're telling these stories, because there are some that want to, as I mentioned a moment ago, that they want elected officials, government officials, as well, all government officials, to check their faith at the door of public service. And I mean, this is an intentional effort. It's an intentional effort to secularize our, our country, robbing us of our faith foundation. And that will only move us further down this path that you just made reference to of the, the pathologies that are associated with the lack of moral formation. Um, Congressman, we're up against a break. Um, okay. And we're going to come back because I, I want to get your take on that. As a member of Congress that has been very open about your faith, what do you say to those who are advocating that, uh-uh, you have no right as a member of Congress to talk about your faith because you're using a platform that belongs to the public? So we're coming back with Congressman Mike Conaway after this break. So don't go away. You're listening to a special Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. Still to come, we're also going to be joined by Congressman Elect Pete Sessions. He served in Congress prior to uh, the 2018 election. And so he's taken two years off and he's coming back. And he's going to be joining us a little later here on the program. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you happen to miss any of this on your way home, it's all archived at TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Parlor, you can keep up with me at T Perkins. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with more of this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch right after this. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In a recent poll, it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular biblical principles for political engagement is now available in Spanish. 
All these resources are free and available at frc.org slash worldview. Again, that's frc.org slash worldview. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation and the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Listening to the Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com, our uh, guest in the first part of the program. Congressman Mike Conaway represents the 11th Congressional District of Texas. Uh, Congressman, you were mentioned. Uh, you mentioned Odessa. Uh, when I, I grew up in Oklahoma, and uh, we went on a choir tour when I was in high school in uh, Odessa, First Baptist Church. Odessa was one of the places we went. I had some fond memories of our weekend there in uh, in Odessa, Texas. Um, football was a big deal there in both Oklahoma and uh, Texas. So I, I know you played uh, football for the uh, Panthers there. Um, but before I get, get – I don't want to get off of that because I'll chase rabbits. Uh, so I'm going to get back on the trail here. Uh, when we were going up to the break, you, you you mentioned you specifically have seen this as a platform for you to share your faith and how that has guided you. There are some that want to take that away and make people of faith to check their faith at the door of public service. What do you say to that? Well, I, I would argue that that's a they've got a fundamental misunderstanding of what faith is. Tony, I could no more check my faith at the door than I could check my left arm walking in it's who i am it's it, men and women of faith it's your core it's uh it's just part of you and, and there's no way to separate the two separation church and state uh was uh, was not intended to uh, uh protect the state from the church it was intended to, to protect the church from the state and uh and so if someone would argue that i would need to check that at the door they just don't understand uh how the uh you know how it works and, and what an integral part it is of your life there are foundational truths that God has revealed to us in the Bible. Uh, the New Testament has, uh, has, has God's, has Christ's teachings to us, and I live my life by those. And so, you know, I make my personal decisions like that, and, and uh, you know, I, that's how I think the – and I was open about that when I ran for election. And so, you know, if you elect somebody of faith, then uh, that person would be disingenuous, I think, yeah. if they came to D.C. and somehow tried to begin to vote differently than their faith-based uh, ideas. Now, I think we should always be open to, to anybody that's, uh, you know, got difference of opinion on, uh, on certain things, but there's some core uh, values that, like life as an example, um, we've murdered uh, 62 million babies on the altar of choice. 
that's got to be just you know, just incredibly uh, disdainful from God's perspective. Um, you know, we say God bless America all the time. We sing God bless America. It rolls off your tongue very easily. I challenge audiences to to think about it from, from God's perspective. We're asking God to bless. Well, what is it we're asking Him to bless? Are we, in fact, a blessable nation? And uh, and I would argue there's so many things going on that God can't abide by and cannot bless that uh, we're, we're asking God to bless something that's, that's in the main unblessable. And the further we go down that track, uh, the more likelihood that, uh, uh, that we'll have issues. If you look at America's role in the world the last hundred years, I'll argue that there's never been a nation do as much good for the rest of the world as America and ask so little in return as America. My personal belief is that's God's divine mission for us as a nation. This people, this belief system, these resources, these assets, protect liberty, defend freedom the way we've done. If we look at the next hundred years, if America lays that mantle down on purpose or is taken away from us, then who's going to defend liberty and freedom the way we have? Uh, Russia, China, radical Islam. And so it's not important that America maintain a faith-based uh, nation, but it's also important to the rest of the world because uh, no one defends liberty and freedom the way men and women of faith have done uh, over these 240 years. And so uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, we're at a crossroads. Uh, democracies don't last a whole lot longer than ours has lasted. And so we're at a pivot point that, uh, you know, which way we want to go. I think our, you know, a couple of generations into uh, failure of moms and dads to teach their children these concepts of faith. And, uh, you know, it happened in the Old Testament. It's happening now in America because this uh, generations don't have, you know, when you have a conversation with them about faith and they don't have any understanding about it whatsoever, uh, any, any uh, predicate for having the conversation right or wrong, then, then uh, you know, it's a, it's a longer conversation to have with folks. So uh, we are at a pivot point in our nation. And, and uh, you know, Second Chronicles 7.14 is a promise that God made, but it's also a, a solution that if we will be the people that will humble ourselves, turn from our wicked ways, uh, you know, seek God's faith and pray, he'll hear from heaven, he'll forgive our sins, and most importantly, he'll heal our land. I think our land needs healing now as much as ever since the Civil War. Uh, we need that healing. So it's in our, uh, you know, in our grasp to be that people that uh, that Second Chronicles 7.14 uh, is the promise of. Uh, so well said. When you talk about we can't check our faith at the door, it's our it's our worldview uh, as believers, yeah. as followers of Jesus Christ, those that have that biblical understanding, that biblical worldview. It just ha- it's the lenses through which we see the world, just as the secular mindset sees it through a secular set of lenses. And by the way, those same folks want to take away the terminology, God bless America and God we trust. They've been repeatedly trying to do that because they want to eradicate any recognition or refra- or um, dependence, public declaration of dependence upon God. And that's why it's so important, Mike, to have leaders like you and, and others, and there are many here in our nation's capital, that are unashamed of their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Mike, we're, we're almost out of time, just a, about a minute and a half here left, but i, I got to ask you this question. As you're now leaving Congress, what's next? Well, I'm not sure. Uh, my, my dear wife said she married me for life, not lunch. And so I will be out of the house about 9 o'clock every day, and I welcome home sometime after 4.30. Uh, I hope to be involved policy-wise and in, in moving forward. We've got some ethics rule that, that I've not had any conversations with any, any groups or anything like that. But at some point in time, uh, you know, post uh, 
uh, mid-December. I hope to to be able to explore some options of being involved in policy in some form or fashion uh, to, uh, to use whatever you know expertise I've gained over the last 16 years to uh, to help uh, you know, work on good policy. Well, I certainly hope you do because your uh, perspective is greatly appreciated, and I want to thank you for your faithful service. Uh, to our country and and to the your faithfulness and obedience to the Lord, we're grateful for it. And uh, and I want to thank you for joining us, Mike, on today's edition thank of Faith. Well, thank you, Tony. I appreciate it, sir. All right, you have a great uh, great Christmas. If we don't talk to you before then, well, Merry Christmas, you and your family as well. All right, Congressman Mike Conaway of uh, Texas. All right, don't go away because we've got another Texan coming. You know, Texas is a big state. They got a lot of congressmen. And uh, Pete Sessions joins us next here on this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. Don't go away, because we're coming back. I promise. Since the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision... Congress and many states have taken various actions to stop taxpayer dollars from funding abortions or the abortion industry. As early as 1976, Congressman Henry Hyde led the effort to ban federal funding for abortions. The Federal Hyde Amendment, named after him, established the principle that abortion is not health care and therefore taxpayers should not be forced to fund abortions. Despite these efforts, the abortion industry still receives millions of dollars each year in taxpayer money. In 2019, Planned Parenthood, America's largest abortion provider, received $616.8 million in government funds. Family Research Council's newly updated pro-life map tracks how your state has taken action to stop taxpayer funding of abortions. Go to frc.org slash pro-life maps to see where your state stands in the fight for life. That's frc.org slash pro-life maps. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I'd definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download, or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? Welcome back to this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So glad to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. If you happen to miss any of this or you'd like to share it with your friends, you can go to TonyPerkins.com, send them the link to it. Also, uh, if you uh, are on Parlor, it's at T. Perkins. Hey, on the, these Faith and Freedom editions, we, we step back, as I mentioned earlier, we step back from the policies and the politics, and we look at the, the, the people. 
the, the people that you elect as your leaders and what motivates them. And, of course, we're focusing on those men and women of faith, of, of Christian faith who come here in large part because of their faith. They, they feel led to come here and to serve their fellow man and to serve the Lord. And there's a lot of folks You'd be surprised the number of folks that are here for that reason. So uh, I'm going to introduce uh, Congressman-elect Pete Sessions. He will be serving Texas's 17th congressional district, but he's not new to Congress. He actually served in Congress from 1997 to January of 2019. And during that time, he was a part of the Republican House majority that balanced the federal budget four years in a row from 1998 to 2001. He led the National Republican Congressional Committee, the NRCC, as its chairman from 2009 through 2012. Now, what's significant about that time? You might remember 2010 was when the big push came and the Republicans had a net 63-seat victory, which removed Nancy Pelosi as speaker and gave the Republicans the majority. Well, after returning to the private sector, Pete watched in amazement as Speaker Pelosi and House Democrats openly adopted socialist policies while contemplating how he could help reverse the nation's lurch to the left and the young generation's fascination with socialism, Pete began receiving calls from conservative activists in central Texas, and they encouraged him to run for his hometown seat. After talking with his wife and family, Pete decided to jump back in the fight for this election, and he won his new seat in Congress over Democrat Rick Kennedy with 56% of the vote Pete Sessions, welcome to this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. Tony, thank you very much. What a great opportunity, not just to speak uh, plainly with people who are finding themselves uh, proud of the work that was done this last year, but also full of hope and expectation of winning back the majority, coming very close. And and I want to let each person know that the opportunity to hear from uh, not just insiders like you who see and analyze and respect the movement that's made, but to expect us to to do as we said we'd do, to come and serve with honor and distinction. And I think your words uh, propel us and push us that direction. Well, thank you, Pete, and uh, congratulations uh, on your election, your victory. And I, I want to start off um because you and I have actually had these conversations before, um, private conversations. We've spent some time uh, having uh, discussions about life and the, the things that motivate us. And you t- point to your father, Bill Sessions. He began his career at the Department of Justice when you were in high school, and he rose from the Department of Justice to U.S. Attorney, then Federal Judge, and then finally to Director of the FBI. And uh, I just recall in our conversation, you you mentioned your father many times. Tell 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 our listeners how he impressed upon you a sense of duty and integrity for all positions of public service, elected and unelected, and, and the influence that had on your life. Tony, in fact, it is an influence, and I think many times we find in our life a person who. Uh, you admire because of the characteristics that they exhibit that not just that uh, are the great parts, but parts that you actually want to commit yourself to be like. Uh, My dad uh, uh, was an Eagle Scout. 
His father, Dr. Will A. Sessions, wrote the God and Country Award for the Boy Scouts of America in 1947. I grew up knowing my dad was a guy that uh, had grown up in his life with polio uh, and had a bit of suffering and, and difficult times, uh, but who persevere, persevered. Uh, he was a person who was in my life really a, a little bit after college. Both my brothers married directly out of or soon after college, and Dad and I became roommates as he was a federal judge uh, facing the uh, difficult drug cartels that were in West Texas. Uh, and as he uh, really found himself uh, as a result of the murder of Judge John H. Wood Jr. back in San Antonio, he and I became roommates then for some some good period of time. It gave me a chance as a little boy to see my dad. It gave me a chance when I was uh, just out of college to go with my dad to Mount Everest and spend six weeks high in the Himalayas. And then it gave me a chance uh, several years later uh, to be with him uh, when, when he was making a transition in his life from El Paso to San Antonio. And so this guy that was my hero, I then became... Uh, older and was able to have mature discussions with him uh, only later for him to turn into FBI director and me to enjoy uh, the conversations of our country and that's where politically yeah. I began to grow well uh, hold that thought because we're going to come back to Europe against a break but I think you know that's one of the points I drive with parents with you know be a parent lead your kids teach them and then as they grow up they become your friends and 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 that's that relationship that we have with our, our, our fathers, our mothers. And we're going to continue the conversation with uh, our good friend Pete Sessions coming into the 17th District of Texas, uh, just elected. We're going to finish our conversation with him on the other side of this break, so don't go away. We're right back after this. Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your knowledge of God's Word? Family Research Council has a three-part series titled, Three Ways to Read the Bible. This series shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth by observing the text of the Bible and applying it to your life. There is no better time than now to get to know God through His Word by looking into the Bible to see what it says about itself, God, and humanity. There's no better time than now to begin devoting time to the Lord and to seek out His meaning for you. This blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to Him through the Bible amid the toils and troubles of today. Check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but with your heart and mind as well. To learn more, visit frcblog.com slash ways to read. That's frcblog.com slash ways to read. When President Donald Trump announced his nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, critics were quick to point not to this qualified nominee's record, but rather to her religious affiliations as a reason she ought not be allowed to serve as a Supreme Court justice. In an increasingly secular culture, it is not only the media that views faith as problematic for those appointed to judicial positions. Senators, particularly Democrats, have inappropriately interrogated nominees with comments and lines of questioning spanning theology, congregation membership, 
and associations with faith-based nonprofits, all seemingly with the intent to discredit the nominees. Family Research Council recently released a publication addressing this important issue. To learn more about what the Constitution says about religious tests, visit frc.org slash religious tests. That's frc.org slash religious tests. The rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash human sexuality. This is the Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. My guest, Congressman-elect Pete Sessions. I'll just say Congressman Pete Sessions. He served in Congress from 1997 until 2019, took a, two years off, and he's back. Not even quite two years, but he'll be back. And uh, so, uh, Congressman, we were talking about your kind of the – the growth of your relationship with your father as you watched him as a child, you did some things with him, but then you were roommates with him uh, and you were talking about the influence that had on, on your life. Pick that back up. Well, the influence of my life came to resolve of, of accepting the consequences uh, of not just what you said you were going to do, but leading. Uh, my dad is director of the FBI uh, came after serving as a federal judge for 14 years seeing the murder of one of his colleagues, but really being in the midst of, of what was taking the country at that time, organized crime uh, and drug cartels. And he transformed, I believe, the FBI to meet that challenge. As we w- may know, uh, he took DNA and made it admissible as evidence. Uh, DNA was uh, was something that was not it was widely uh, used uh, sometimes, but it was not admissible as evidence in court. And people began using this as a tool uh, for people who were who were criminals to find them. Uh, but we needed uh, Dad felt like to make sure that that who was going to get convicted and sit in a jail needed to, they needed a higher standard. Uh, and likewise, people who did not commit a crime. Secondly, uh, he uh, transformed the FBI away from fingerprint cards of people's fingerprints to automatic identification. And and so he transformed the FBI into a a technological uh, juggernaut where they were able to solve more crimes, know who criminals were. So he pushed the envelope of what he believed. Uh, and, And I think that that helped me see the need in our country to have young people. I was 40 
when I ran for Congress and won. And, and as a young person, I had a background of serving at Bell Labs for three and a half years. I'd spent 16 years at AT&T. And, and while I was doing very well in my career, I saw that the country needed people. Uh, Speaker Gingrich came. Dick Armey came. Uh, Jack Kemp came to me and said, we're trying to win back this uh, Congress because we want to be in the majority. And it was uh, kind of like a foreign concept to a lot of people. We had not seen the attributes of what it would take to get to 218 members of Congress. And then Newt Gingrich began talking about this contract with America and used it as a catalyst to get many, many young people, including, as you remember, Steve Largent, among others, mm-hmm. uh, to, to come and commit themselves to something that was important for the country because our children and the future of the country we felt like was in balance, and it was, and it is today. And so these these attributes of coming and being responsible and working as a team and winning the majority uh, were important to me and, and, and have been and still is today. Well, and, and, Pete, at, at some point I'm going to actually have a conversation with your thoughts on the FBI, given uh, your intimate understanding of, of the organization from your father's uh, perspective in his leadership role, but I'm, I'm going to save that for another day. Uh, moving beyond your your father's influence, I, I want to talk about your personal faith journey as as you you came to a relationship with Christ and how that has influenced your life. Share share with our listeners kind of your your personal story of faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's uh, it's one that was not a foreign concept to me. I was uh, both my parents are what we would call PKs, preachers' kids. Uh, we went to church every Sunday, Sunday school. Uh, I threw a paper route, so in the morning I would get up and be ready after the paper route to go to church. I was an acolyte. I went through scouting, uh, but at age sixteen, I found myself at Philmont Scout Ranch in. New Mexico at 10,500 feet at, with five other guys that I uh, were in my troop. And we began looking out of, uh, to the stars and to the heavens. And at age 16, you ponder not only questions, uh, but you can come closer to answers. And we all spoke about not just what we saw. Uh, as as a literally a miracle that you can't see in a city, you have to go yeah. out where the darkness is. But we we pondered how important life itself is, and that it took it. This was cre- created. It just didn't happen. It was the 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 mindset that the genius, the the philosophy of someone that is called God who has created the heaven and the earth and the universe and that we have life itself and we were put here for a reason uh, and it was up to us to to struggle with the reasons but that God gave us as different than animals and different than other objects gave us a chance to come and and prove something that, that would be worthy for other people service. Uh, caring about others, love, uh, genuine relationship to carry on, life itself. And and it led me to a strong conviction uh, that, that not only is there a God, 
but there's a God that's far more powerful that we should give uh, our life to and understand. And then as my life rolled out, I ended up getting married and then had a Down syndrome child and had to ponder, you know, the not feel sorry for me, but to what I had to learn to deal with that was a product of God. And and I will tell you, I learned once again from my dad the night Alexander Gregory Sessions was born, my dad said he will be the most uh, important gift to this family uh, that we have ever had. And those things that are relationships that you have with perhaps someone a little bit older and more mature than you and it just is so so true, and it's a, a relationship that I have, have been so proud of. And he's the, the highest highs have been with with children, and sometimes even those who 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 need you more than perhaps anything in the world. And and it gives you a space to understand that God created this relationship also. Mm. So true, and when you. You spoke of that purpose, you know, when we when we find our relationship with God. Of course, that's one of those big questions in life. Why am I here? What's mm-hmm. my purpose? And, and and that's in each and every one of us. But when we come to that relationship with Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we receive the forgiveness of our sins and we enter into that relationship. All of a sudden, our life has purpose and it has meaning. And some people wrestle with the idea that people of faith men and women like yourself, uh, can come into government service and be guided by that faith. I mean, many today, and you've seen this, Pete, they want us to check our faith at the door of public service. And, and I want you to speak to that from a standpoint of what is the role of your faith in your public walk? I have seen over my uh, tenure here in the House uh, people who came with the greatest of intention, uh, who failed in their mind by meeting the expectation of what they wanted for greatness. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, I'm engaged in a team activity. Being a member of Congress is not about you. It is about ideas. It is about your country. I believe in American exceptionalism. I believe that I'm proud to be an American. I believe that there are things about our Constitution that cause us to to be a great nation. But I will also say what makes this nation great is is we are one nation under God. And when we fail to understand the relationship that we must have to make other people to have opportunities as we have had because we've been blessed and we make it about ourselves, we're making a mistake. And I think that there are people who come thinking it's one thing, Congress is one thing, only to find out it's something else. And and you see this from time to time. You said, We saw this, and you see with almost every freshman class, there are going to be a couple that, that think it's about them and want to blame their own behavior off onto someone else. I will tell you that if you come here with an idea that you want to give of service to help people, but to that that fine 
line is creating behavior that is bad for the country and turns our country away from what made us great, then you are not, in my opinion, uh, up to the real service that I talk about. It takes the kind of person who will say there's a fine line between giving, taking, and having people come work for the things that will make them and, them and their country greater. And, and it takes some bit of time to gain that maturity, and I, I hope our newest young people in this class will be able to do that. When we, you know, going back to that that purpose, when our service is unto the Lord, as Scripture instructs us to do, do whatever we do, do all uh, as unto the Lord. As we do that, um, it doesn't matter what the position or the title is, because we're serving a we're, we're serving the Lord. And so, you know, whether you're in Congress or out of Congress, it's it's all the same. Your mission is still the same. That is to to serve the Lord, and I think that is your point. That if you're coming here to make a name for yourself, you're coming here for your own purposes. Um, it's probably not going to end up good. I mean, you've probably seen a few of those that have careened off the uh, the roadway and ended up in the ditch. Well, yes, I believe that, but I think what I would say more to my point is is that you know there's some people who come up here to give away everything we have thinking that will make them more popular or our country stronger. What made this country strong, you can see well as you look back through our history uh, of sacrifice, of hard work, of duty, of of respect for uh, the other person, uh, of supporting our military. And what has made our country great is not giving away things, but actually building value and building where people become self-sufficient. And there's something about the that you and I both know, the man in the ring, the woman right. in the ring, the person who had to persevere to achieve, a person who had to overcome odds, a person who had to maybe uh, work a little bit harder than what they would have. That's what makes a person. And that is what makes a member of Congress, not to come up and give away other people's money or the largesse of a, of a nation, but rather to serve with distinction to build. As we as Eagle Scouts like to say, we like to leave our campsite better than the way we found it. And there are people who believe that that's really hard to do and that you can't, you know, just because of time alone, we can't get that that place. And and. Mr. Perkins, I will tell you that it is your kind of standard-bearer language of definition of, of, of the things that, that we need to recognize that we work for someone, that it's their hard-earned money that makes it, uh, uh, that allows us to be able to spend the money we do, and we need to respect that, mm-hmm. not take advantage of it. So. There's just a lot of lessons along the way, and I think one of them we need to understand is and that God and Jesus Christ, who gave us as our Savior and Lord, gave us the answers for how best to, to, to move forward in life, and I deeply believe that. Yeah, and, and, and we need to uphold them, to protect them, and, uh, and use them. 
Uh, Pete Sessions, we're almost out of time, but I want to give you, um, as we wrap up here, an opportunity to just share with our listeners, how can they be praying for for you and the other members of Congress as you move into, uh, in just about a month, well, a little over a month, month and a half, new Congress, new set of challenges, how can they be praying for you? Well, it, it, prayer does matter. Um, I I go to uh, First Methodist Church in Waco, Texas, a, a church that was very close where I grew up. It's now merged into that church, and there are people who come up to me uh, virtually every Sunday, and I know we're in a COVID period of time, but they would want to put their hand on me and say, go do well, I trust you. Go do what you said you would do. And so if we pray for this country to achieve its highest dreams and never to diminish about or take for granted that what we have is always going to be here. That's right. I think we ought to have people pray for America to continue to be a constitutional government, for us to to live by that constitution, just like we need to understand the Bible and to be able to stay true to the beliefs that we have to where we can look ourselves in the mirror and say, Lord, I believe that I have, while I may be a sinner, I want to do better, and I apologize for the things that I have done poorly and need to do better tomorrow. We need to do that for our country, too. Pete Sessions, thanks so much for uh, joining us, and uh, Merry Christmas, my friend. Thank you, sir. Folks, thank you for joining us. Until next time, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.